Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. watching online by the internet today. Listen, you can keep up with what's happening around here on Facebook, YouTube. You can download the podcast at any of your favorite podcasting places. Hey, I want you to go and grab your outline for today's message out of your worship guide. I'm really excited about this series, but before we dive into this, I'll tell you a little bit about where we're going with this series this month. I want to remind you of something you just saw on the screens. I'm really pumped about a Thanksgiving season, and you saw our um, Thanksgiving outreaches for this month. Listen, this is what we're going to do this year. Really excited about it. Uh, we want to show generosity to our communities, and we want to show it to our County. So uh, K&J's, anybody ever been to K&J's in Alabaster? They've got some incredible cupcakes and all different kind of sweet treats over there. So this is what we want you to do. We want you to tell people all month long that they're going to be able to go by and uh, and they're going to be able to pop in on that specific day and get a free cupcake. So you just say, hey, look, from us to you, from Cultivate Church, we want to bless you. So if you're riding through Alabaster on your way out to the interstate or whatever, stop by K&J's and just say, hey, I want a cupcake. And you get to pick out whatever cupcake you want and it's free. Cultivate Church is taking care of that for you. And then tell your friends, listen, we want everybody to have a Thanksgiving, uh, nice Thanksgiving meal. And so Fat Johnny's, anybody know Fat Johnny's around here? Everybody's been to Fat Johnny's, I'm sure. They're going to prepare a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. And all you have to do is just invite your friends, take them with you. Say, hey, I want to invite all of you. Our church is going to provide a free dinner. And so go up to Fat, Fat Johnny's, get you a table, and they're going to have a traditional Thanksgiving meal prepared cost absolute zero dollars. So we're going to do that to show our community that we love them and that we want to bless them and we want something for them and not something from them. So go ahead and just start telling all your friends, letting them know, because we want to bless them this Thanksgiving season, okay? I hope you've got your outline. We're starting a series today called All About the Benjamins. Now, I know that when we start talking about money in church, everybody gets nervous, okay? And this is what some of you thought. Maybe you're here for the first time and you thought, I knew it. I saw this on TV. They're all asking for money and they're probably going to pass around like, you know, prayer cloths or something. Ask me to, you know, pay for a prayer cloth or buy a miracle or something weird like that. And we're going to tell you up front, I'm not asking you for anything. If you're a guest today, we're asking you for nothing. As a matter of fact, if you're part of Cultivate Church, we're not doing anything abnormal. But we're talking about money this month. And the reason that we're doing this is because it's common to all of us. Listen, you hear rappers rap about it. You heard that song on there. Rappers rapping about their money. And you know, half of them don't even have money. You know, they borrowed those cars. It's in the videos, you know. But they're rapping about their money. Hollywood talks a lot about money. Come on, you get on Instagram. Come on, girls. You know, you follow some of these people and they get like bazillion dollar purses. You know, that they hold like a bazillion dollar dog in it. You know what I'm talking about? All this expensive stuff. And so it's all about what Hollywood talks about. And then because of that, most of us dream about it. Most of us are dreaming about how money could change our life. If I just had more money, all the stuff that I could do with it. But the reason that we're choosing to talk about this is because Jesus talked about it a whole lot. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven or hell. A great number of the parables or the stories that Jesus told, they all revolved around money. And we're talking about one of those stories today out of, out of the Scripture. But now, Jesus talked about it because he knew our hearts are often attached to our money. And the Bible teaches us that where we put our money, our hearts will follow. Most of us tend to think that where my heart is and then and where my money is, or the, you, you get it all confused about which way does that actually go. But where I place my resource and where I place my investment, that's where my heart actually follows. So we're going to uncover this month 
A lot about what Jesus said about money because we knew that it was tied to our eternity. Believe it or not, this natural resource that you and I have and that we deal with every day is really tied greatly to the eternity that we'll spend. And all of this is coming out of Matthew chapter 6. It's on your outline. And it says this. And we're going to talk about this in detail this, this morning even. No one can serve two masters, for one will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. See, what we do with our earthly resources is a good indicator of what we do with our spiritual resources. It's all tied together. See, the natural side of me and the spiritual side of me. The Bible says there's a war in between those, and it actually even it flows and filters down even to the natural resources that I have in our money. Many of us are already looking into the holiday season. It is November if you haven't caught on yet. The year is on a downward slide. Not 2019 is almost gone. I'm already seeing online all the leaked articles about the Black Friday sales. Come on, we have Thanksgiving. We're so thankful for everything we have. And then the next day, we fight over everything we don't on Black Friday. And then Saturday, we regret what we bought. And then we fight over football, right? And then we come back to church on Sunday, and we praise God for all of his blessings. That's the the culture that we live in. And so we're already feeling that pressure. I'm already seeing the holiday sales about how much money money you're going to save as you spend money you don't have for the holiday season. And so I think if we can align our hearts to what the Bible says about our resources, then God can give us peace in every area of our life. We can grow spiritually, we can grow in our maturity if we can understand the power that money has in our lives. So I want us to pray, and I want you to prepare your heart. I want, to, I want the Lord to help us tear down every barrier, every wall that we have. This is a touchy subject. Some of us are in here. And we need more money. Some of us are in here and we got more money than we know what to do with. Some of us are in here and you've you've got plenty, but you want more. We're all in different places when it comes to finances. Some of us are still living off of that um, that allowance. Her pastor Brandon Dawes tell his daughter this week said you're 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 being docked your allowance four dollars for every minute you're late. And then I heard Danielle, his wife, say she don't even make that much money. He said that's why she better be on time. All right, so it's like it's important, no matter where we are, come on, how old or what our life responsibility is, we're dealing with this thing called money. So let's pray and ask God to do something in our heart today. Father, I love you. Thank you for a great day. Worship was just so incredible. We know that your presence was here, and that's why. Thank you for every person that's tuned in online, all of us who get to be here together as a family today. I pray that your word changes our heart. It changes our life today. Father, we give you this time, God, just to align our hearts to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So go ahead, if you've got a Bible, if you've got an app, a glowing Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 16. The book of Luke chapter 16. The New Testament starts with Matthew And the very next book is Luke. Look for that. And I'm going to read you a story real quick. I'm going to read you exactly eight verses. So hang with me. If you don't have a Bible, just hang with me. They're going to walk through this. But this is a story that Jesus told, and it's all dealing with the topic of money. So Luke chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Jesus told this story to his disciples. He was talking to his disciples, but there were all kinds of people sitting around listening as Jesus told this story. He said, there was a certain rich man, notice this, there was a rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. So if you're rich enough to hire somebody to handle all your stuff, you're balling pretty good, okay? If that's, that's, you, you got it together if that's the kind of resource you got. Now, one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? 
get your report in order because you are going to be fired. In other words, you didn't do the job. You're not managing my resources well, so you are fired. Get it together. Going to give you a little bit of time, but you're out of here. So the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. You ever been there before? Sitting at the kitchen table going, what did I do? I knew I shouldn't have said that. Man, if I could just take it back. I wish I'd just been on time that one time. He's sitting at the kitchen table. Now what am I going to do? He said, I don't have the strength to dig ditches. He said, I'm too proud to beg. Then verse 4, he gets a good idea. He says, ah, I know what I'll do. I know how I'll ensure that I have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. He's already working on getting some friends. You know what I'm saying? He's already figured out where he's going to go from here. So he invited every person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first person, how much do you owe him? Now he's talking about other people who owe the man he works for. How much do you owe him? And the man said, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager said, take the bill, quickly change it to 400 gallons. Now you owe somebody, let's say 800 bucks. And I say, you know what? I'm still managing all his affairs. I got the books. Slice it in half. You now owe him 400 bucks. We're pretty good friends at this point, right? Just slice it in half. I'm still, I'm on my way out the door anyway. What's he going to do? Fire me? I'm already fired. Slash it in half. And then he says to another, he said, uh, how much do you owe? And the guy says, I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat. And he said, here's, here's what you do. Take the bill, change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest man for being so shrewd. And it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Now, there's some principles here that we're going to walk through today. And we're going to talk about this manager. We're going to talk about the rich man. We're going to talk about the process of what he just did. Basically, he didn't take care and he didn't do his job, so he lost his job. So now he's got to think about himself. He's got to do something to get himself taken care of. So he goes out under the boss's watch and starts slashing debt so he can make some friends so that they'll take care of him. He knows he's already fired. And then the boss looks at him and goes, well, I got to give it to you. It was dishonest. That was pretty good. Come on, you're pretty shrewd there. You were looking out and planning ahead. Maybe had you done that from the beginning, you wouldn't be without a job today. And so maybe today, if we were more prepared with what we do with what we have, maybe we would be in a better opportunity for God to bless us with what we've got. Maybe, just maybe, if we took some principles today of what we learned, God can use us in a greater way. But let's talk about our money just a little bit. Here's how to get fired. Here's how we get fired. Get on your outline. Number one, write this down. When it comes to our money, we do three things that I think are really wrong. The first is this. We waste it. We waste it. Notice this. Jesus said the rich man had the manager handling his affairs, and the report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Now, all of this story is a representation of who we are and who God is. See, God is the rich man, and you and I are the managers. See, it doesn't belong to us. We're just managing what God already has. That's the moral of this story. And the problem is, when I look at money and I think that it is mine, it's about serving me. However, when I realize that the money belongs to God, I understand that it is serving Him. And oftentimes, when I take what I have and I think, well, it's just $10. You ever said that before? You ever looked at something and said, well, it's just five bucks. Like, what does that matter? It's just $10. Like, that doesn't really matter. Now, if you really got it going on, it's just a thousand. You know, you, all of us are different 
But it's just this or it's just that. Have you know a penny will spend just like a dollar will spend? A penny contributes to a dollar. You just have to have enough of them. It's all valuable. But the problem is we waste a whole lot of stuff. Now, when the perspective changes and I go, you know what? I might would waste 50 bucks of my own money. But when I understand that this is actually God's 50 bucks, then I don't feel the, the ability just to waste it like I would anything else because I'm understanding that it actually belongs to him. Now, that feels like a lot of pressure. That actually kind of feels like a bummer when I go, okay, all right, this is God, so what do I do with God's money? Like, I'm scared to death to spend it. Is he, up, is he upset if I buy that new shirt? God, is this your size? Like, can we share it? What do we do here? How do we work this out? But when you think about it this way, when you're stewarding your, 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 your rich person's stuff, when you're the manager, you think about it. The house that you live in is not yours, it's God's. The car that you drive, it, it's, it's not yours, it's God's. And you think, well, that sounds depressing. Well, next time you have like a flat tire, you go, hey, God, your car's got a flat tire. And, uh, and, I, and so you got to fix it. And you understand that it's not yours to, to, to have to worry about. Because when it's actually God's and it belongs to him and I am stewarding it and I take care of it and I look after it and I tend to it, when something goes wrong, it is the rich man's job to supply to the manager so that his affairs are in order. Your children that are crazy, they're not your kids. You need to look around and say, God, I don't know what's wrong with these, these people back here. But this is, they are representing you today, and I don't think this is right. So, God, you need to step in and fix this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Hey, God, they need some new clothes. School just started. They got to have pen. God, here's the list that they sent me from that school. You need to fix it right here. See, God owns it all. You're just the manager of it. The problem comes in is when God looks at me and says, hey, son, you're wasting my stuff. And I'm not going to give you one more thing if you keep wasting it. And if you think it belongs to you, you go fix it. Since you thought all of that was because you did it and you worked hard for it and that you earned it and you're so talented and you got all the ability, well, let's see how well you do when the AC goes out and the floor starts leaking and the kids start crying and the car breaks down. Now what? That's the moment where we go, hey, God, Where'd you go? Like, I, I, I think you were in the kitchen last time we talked. Hey, are you still there? Don't waste what belongs to God. We have to be real careful because that's how we get fired. Number two, here's what we do that's a mistake with our money. We trust it. Listen to this. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I am too proud to beg. What's next, God? Because I don't even know where to go from here. He trusted. He was living it up. He was in the rich man's palace. He was eating the rich man's food. He was laying on the rich man's sheets. He had it just like he liked it. And suddenly, because he wasted it, and he was trusting that everything was going to be okay because of his resource and what he had, one day he wakes up and he is broke. Write this reference down, Proverbs 23 and 5. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like the eagle. Isn't that the truth? One day you thought you had a little bit, and then the next day you say, whoo, whoo, there it goes, watch it go. It's gone. Money is gone. 
You were saving because you wanted that new thing, and then the washing machine broke. I mean, you thought, now i got to adult again. Like, i got to be an adult. I've got to take care of stuff, and I wanted to go blow it on something fun. Money's got a way of flying away. Many of you will remember the 2008 uh, economic downturn. You remember that? Man, people were living it up, thought they had it. People were buying mansions and buying islands and buying extra homes and expensive stuff. And then the market crashed and all the trust they had in their money was out the window. Do you know that between 2008 and 2010, more than 10,000 deaths, suicides, were attached to the financial crisis? There was a spike in suicides that took place in those years. And after the study that went back of all of these people in the spike of people taking their lives, they learned that it was all attached to the fact that they had lost things that they had put their trust in and suddenly they did not know what to do with their life because they had put their trust in the wrong things. So my faith is not in what I can have. So you need to understand that the, the faith should not be in the supply, it should really be in the source. See, when you take your faith and you put it into what's in your bank account, or, listen to me, when your lack of faith is attached to what is not in the bank account, we miss it. Because I understand that my faith should be placed in the source of it all, not the supply in which I have or do not have. Your faith and your finances, they must be married. See, the Bible says that that a man and a woman, they would be united as one. They would be unified, once separate, suddenly joined together to accomplish the goal that God had for them. It's God's great plan. So when it comes to our faith and our finances, if they operate separately and independently, they are not operating in the fullness in which God desires for it to operate. But when my faith and my finances, they come together and they are unified and God's blessing is on them, suddenly it shifts in where my trust is from not just the supply, but all the way to the source. So don't waste the money. Don't trust the money. And the number three, this is a tough one. We love it. Don't love the money. Back to our, our, our theme verse. No one can serve two masters. For you'll hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Listen, money's not bad. Money's good. Listen, if you're in here today and you say, well, I, Pastor, I had a whole lot I was going to share with you, but today I feel like you don't want it. No, no, no. We can talk. But it's not the love of my life. See, it's, it's, it's when, when, you, when you fall in love with something, you remember falling in love before? Some of you remember that a long time ago. Some of you think back to high school. Come on, junior high. You know, do you love me? Check yes or no. Got the note in the locker. Come on, love will make you do some crazy things, won't it? Love will make you do stuff. Uh, people work jobs that they don't like for what? Money. Why? Because we love it. People do illegal things for money. Let's talk after church if you need to. People do dangerous things for what? For money. People sacrifice their time for money. People will sacrifice their families for money. Why? Because we love it. See, oftentimes it's our desires that determine our decisions. And when love is wrapped up in the stuff that I can, I can get or I can acquire, love can begin to make me do things that I wouldn't ordinarily do. 
Some of you couldn't keep money in your pocket when you fell in love with that one special person because you'd spend money and you were tight before. You're tight with that money. But now suddenly you spend it left and right. You find yourself doing things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. And the danger is, is that when we get wrapped up in literally what what the picture of culture is for us, we'll begin to love money. We'll begin to be envious of what other people have and what we don't. And then we'll look at what we do have, what we're truly blessed with, and go, this is not good enough. So then that revolves this cycle where we begin wasting money that we really don't have. And we begin trusting in things that never deserved our trust to begin with. And then there's this fickle lover that we have over here that's never honest and is never faithful and that never satisfies. But we don't know why we can't let it go. And it is because it's got our heart. And the problem here is that the one who had the supply, the rich man, that's where the focus should have been. But instead, the manager was doing everything that he could do to supply and take care of himself. So today, 2019, most all of us in our culture are guilty of this exact same thing. So what do we do with it? Flip your outline over. I want to tell you how to make money matter. This is how we literally take this cycle. And the reason this is important because this cycle leads my heart away from the rich man. It becomes all about me and taking care of me, and I forget about the one who has the supply. So what do I do with my money? Number one is I need to invest it. Listen to what the Bible teaches. It goes on in Luke chapter 16, verse 9. It says, here's the lesson. Jesus told us this story that I read to you. And then in verse 9, he says, well, here's the lesson in this. Use your worldly resources to benefit others. It's so countercultural. It doesn't make sense. I underline the word your resources benefit, and then I'm expecting me. But no, the next word is others. And make friends. Then, when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. In other words, Jesus was not saying that the rich man being dishonest against, uh, that the manager being dishonest against the rich man was what he was supposed to do. No, he was saying his shrewdness was actually something that was to be learned from. So in other words, when I live on this planet and I invest my money in things that are eternal to bless other people, then when my time comes and I am left without this home in this world, I have an eternal home that I will be welcomed into. All because I've taken the tangible of the here and now and I have invested it into something that will last for eternity. See, most of us are investing in the wrong things. Gadgets... They're as obsolete as soon as you buy them. I love technology. I am a tech. I just drool over technology. I don't know why. I thought the other day I was talking, I asked, you know, the gadgets in my house what the weather was, and I thought, I just did that. Like, like this is like go back to the 90s and watch some of those old movies. You remember, like, when they talk about the technology of the day? It's awesome. I love it. I don't know why, but I love it. But it's obsolete when I buy it. Cars, come on, there's nothing wrong with buying a new car if you can afford that new car. But cars, they, they depreciate faster than anything. Do you know that a Ford F-150 is one of the most um, uh, popular cars on the road? Do you know that it depreciates $14,000 or 29% in the first year? Immediately depreciated. Now, nothing wrong with having that, nothing wrong with getting that, but that shouldn't be what I invest everything I have in. Sorry, God, I can't because 
I'm going to worship you in my new truck. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Wedding gowns. Think about this. People go out and they spend so much money like on wedding gowns. You ever tried to buy, you ever saw somebody selling a used one? You can get one for like 10 bucks. And it's just been worn once. But no, I got to have the right, the new, the stuff. There was an ad one time, true story. It was an ad that said, um, wedding gown for sale, only worn once by mistake. All this stuff, come on, that we invest and we throw our money at, what if we just slowed down one second and said, okay, how much of my investments are being spent on things that are going to depreciate and fall away and not matter tomorrow? Is this impacting eternity? Think about eternal investments. I still still think today, every time somebody says yes to Jesus at Cultivate Church, I think about the first envelope that I was randomly given that nobody knew that I'd prayed and asked God, how are we going to start doing this? And somebody handed me an envelope at World Outreach Center where we were on staff that helped us launch into this church. They handed me an envelope. On the inside, it was a check for $1,000 that a chicken farmer gave me. And he had no idea that the exact amount that we needed to start this church was $1,000 to begin the process. And it was straight from God. Today, every single week that somebody gives their heart to Jesus, that chicken farmer is a part of every single salvation. And that can never be taken away from him because it was an investment into eternity. I think about Ethan and Lindsay Efferson, who are in Mexico doing incredible ministry down there, touching the lives of children. The only reason they're there is because somebody guilted Ethan Efferson into going because they bought his plane ticket and said, you're going. That was an eternal investment that can never be taken away because children's lives are being impacted all because of an investment into eternity. Generosity is not about what is in your hand. It is about what is in your heart. Generosity starts here, not here. All the excuses of why I can't is right here. But all the possibility of who the rich man is and who I am as the manager, if it's in my heart, God will put it in my hand. Now, that's good preaching. I don't care if you recognize that or not. But if it's in your heart, God will put it in your hand. That's the absolute truth. That's God's economy. Let's move on because I see you want to. Number two, you got to steward it. One, you got to invest it. Two, you got to steward it. Jesus said, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? That stings a little bit. If I can't trust you with my stuff, says God, am I going to give you something of your own for? I got somebody over here that is just being so incredibly faithful. I'd rather give it to them. Listen, my son, he loves candy more than anything in his life. All your kids do it. This is a kid thing, but my son gets it honestly because my wife is the same way. She'll, she'll, she'd, she'd snack on some kind of sweet, some kind of candy, and skip a steak all day long. It's weird, I know. He gets it honestly from her. So Halloween, we went trick-or-treating, and he, he got the mother load. I learned something. You take a big bag, and they feel bad putting one piece in there. You take a big bag, they put two or three. It's just a trick. I learned it. And we get home, and he says, Dad, he said, he's he's you want to eat some candy with me? And it's late, and I'm thinking, well, I should probably be an adult and say no, but I said, sure, buddy, let's bring it over here. And he pulled out the bag of candy, and, and I'm already thinking, well, you know, we'll find something small, and then we'll send you to bed. And he says, hey, Dad, he said, you can have some too. Here's one for me, and here's one for you. And I said, we'll eat all the candy you want, buddy. You just pull that candy out. He said, if you're going to be like that about it, let's just chomp down, man. We'll find some good stuff to eat. Because I understood he was stewarding what had been given to him because it had been blessed to him. And he was sharing the blessing. 
Now, I don't know that he understood fully what he was doing, but in that moment, I wanted to reward him for the way he was stewarding what he has. See, when we understand that God's got more, it's a story of a father and a son at McDonald's. The father buys his son some, some McDonald's fries. They're the best. I don't care what you say. They're the best fries in the world. All you know, eat no salt. Pile it on, baby. It's good. And the father buys his son some fries and slides them to him and gets them set. And the father goes to reach and get one. The boy slaps his dad's hand and says, don't touch my fries. The father says, son, do you know where these fries just came from? I bought you these fries. I can bury you in fries. I can make you smother in fries. Don't slap the hand that feeds you. How many times does God slide us some fries across the table and then we slap his hand and tell him he can't have any more of it? Everything I have, God has slid across the table to me and he can bury me in it. He can give me more of it than I can possibly stand if I steward it well. How about if I took a fry and looked around the room and said, hey, I got some fries, y'all want some? And when we run out, dad will get us some more. And that father's going to go, you know what? How am I going to argue with that? Load them up. Get them in the fryer. Extra greasy, extra salt. Pass them around. You need to invest your resources. You need to steward it well. And then number three, you need to understand it. And that's where we're going to go all month long. In the weeks to come, we're going to talk about some very practical things money management and things that you can do with your finances. We're going to talk about the power of generosity in our life. All month, it's going to be biblical principles because Jesus goes back to that key verse. You can't serve two things. Nothing wrong with having them, but you can't serve two things. You'll either love one or hate the other. You'll either be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. See, what you believe about money will determine how you behave with your money. And so I want us to have a proper understanding and belief about the money we have so that we behave properly with it. So today, what's the principle of this? Here's the principle. Is that God owns and I steward. How do I need to walk away with this today, Pastor? You need to understand that as we walk out of this room, everything you have, everything you look at, if it's your car, how can my car be a blessing to God? Who can this car? I, I, I drove in here with empty seats today. God wants me to fill that thing up, bring somebody to church. My house, how can that be a blessing to God? Whatever I have in my pocket, how can it be a blessing to God? Because he owns it all. I'm simply the manager. And God wants me to use it to be a blessing to others. It is attached to my spiritual destiny. So I want us to bow our heads today and I want us to pray. I want to invite our team to come back and I want to, I want to pray over us this morning and Two things very quickly I want to pray for. Number one is maybe you're in here and you say, wow, I never even thought about it. I mean, I deal with money every day, but I'm not even a Christian. Like, I can't do all this stuff. I don't even know where to start. Well, the very first place to start is with a relationship with Jesus. And if you're in here today and you don't have one, let me tell you, every week people say yes to Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that exact same thing. And then secondly, I want to pray for all of us that maybe in this room today, we're in here and you've just been convicted by what you do with what you have. It's not about how much we have or how much we do not have. But it's simply about recognizing that God, you, you own it all. And I am simply the manager of it. So God, help my heart to be able to see that in my actions to follow. So Jesus, right now, for any of us in this room or watching by the internet, if there's any of us in here that would say today that we don't have a relationship with you, 
We ask you for your forgiveness of the sin that's in our life. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. And Jesus, we recognize that we need you. So I'm asking you, Father, for your forgiveness. Thank you for loving me, dying on the cross. I receive it today. And I give my heart back to you. And God, we're asking for all of us today to understand that we're just managers. We're not owners. And that all of this is temporary. That everything we have lends itself in the view of eternity. Let me live my life in such a way that it is a blessing to other people. Everything that I have in my possession, that it would be a blessing to others. And that I would know today an encouragement that even in what I don't have, God, you've got it all. You can supply it. So my trust and my faith and my confidence, it shifts from my abilities. It shifts from what's in my banking account. God, to saying it all belongs to you. And I will invest it well. I will steward it well. God, I will give it back to be a blessing to others. God, I pray that you do miracles in this room today. That our hearts, God, would follow when we put our resources. And if we put our resources into the kingdom, our heart will follow the kingdom. We love you today, Jesus. And we honor you for the principles of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate the Lord today? Can we put our hands together?